Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trinity Podcast. It is so great to have you with us. My name is Ashley Matthews. I'm the Associate Lead Pastor here at Trinity. And this is week three of our Easter Reflection Series. We've been reading and reflecting on texts from Revelation. And this week, we'll focus our time together on John's vision in chapter four. So we're going to read together, and then we'll spend some time reflecting on these important words from the Bible. This is Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So John is here recounting his second vision. His first vision in chapter 1 is a vision of Jesus surrounded by seven lampstands representing the church, the capital C. Jesus gives John in the intervening chapters the contents for letters addressed to seven churches or to the church with a capital C. And then here in chapter 4, he's given another vision He says that he sees a door standing open in heaven. And that same trumpet-like verse, uh, voice that he heard back in the first vision, the voice of Jesus, he hears again saying, come up here and see. And the Spirit takes John, we're told, uh, through the door into heaven, where this time he sees not Jesus, but God Almighty the triune God. Or rather, probably better to say, he sees a kind of representation of God. Because remember, we're told elsewhere in the Bible that God can't be seen by humans. He can only be manifested to us in forms or images that we're able to understand. The implication being that his true form would be of the sort that we're not, at least this side of heaven, able to comprehend. Pretty incredible to think about. So John sees a vision of God through sort of symbol and different kinds of images put together. And I want to spend um, our time together reflecting on John's vision by saying some things about heaven. But let me say this firstly before we talk about heaven. The thing that really captures John's heart and his imagination in this vision are not the particulars or the details of heaven. John is immediately focused on the one sitting on the throne. He is the center. And from him, everything else has its place and meaning. And I think what that means for us, firstly, is that visions of heaven, and by which I mean um, understanding of heaven, and maybe quite literally visions of heaven, become clearer through worship and our love of God. That's the way that we see into heaven. 
And any attempts to see it or understand it apart from that are inevitably going to be distorted or fall short. You can, and I believe are meant to, know more and understand more about heaven itself. I believe that's what God has for us. But we have to worship our way, not think our way into greater understanding. At least we ought to do it in that order. Worship first, thinking second. Heaven is paradise, Jesus called it. Uh, Not because of the perks, its mansions or streets of gold. Because it's the place uh, where God communes with people where God is worshipped for who he is, and we're able to be with him in the fullness of joy and without the weight or the separation of sin. That's the paradise that Jesus describes, how he would have and intends for us to understand a paradise. So let's talk about the vision itself, what it is that John sees. John sees... Uh, 24 elders, he calls them, seated around God's throne, dressed in white robes, wearing crowns on their heads. It's likely that these 24 elders represent the coming together of the 12 apostles and the 12 lost tribes of Israel themselves representations of a wider family. But when they come together, 12 and 12, they are a restored and unified Old and New Testament, a restored Israel, the whole people of God, seated around God's throne. We're told later in the chapter that these same elders will kneel and cast their crowns before God's throne in worship. Actually, in response to the worship of what John calls the four living creatures. Each of them is a kind of mashup of animals representing the non-human living parts of God's creation. They are the ones who call the hosts of heaven to worship. And it's the humans that fall down in response to their call. You can see now why C.S. Lewis had such a thing for talking animals. So here are two takeaways about heaven, maybe for us to reflect on together today and this week. According to what we see in Revelation in this vision and in other places, heaven is just on the other side of the door. That's sort of the first thing. We are now surrounded by the reality of heaven. God himself and those you love are not separated from you by an impossible distance. What separates us is the equivalent of a door that can be opened. That's the point of the symbol. I think we're meant to live with an an increased awareness and sensitivity to the reality of heaven. God wants you to consider him to consider spiritual realities, and to consider the people you love and have lost this side of heaven. And he wants us to consider those things more than this life or this world gives us room to do or encourages us to do. Secular society is increasingly, according to Charles Taylor and others, disenchanted. We're not given room for magical thinking spiritual thinking. But the more mindful we are of those things, according to the Bible, the more real and the more deeply felt they become. 
the more aware we become of points of access or thin places where the door or the veil is lifted and we can see more of what God sees. John was praying in the Spirit, he says, and that's when the door opens for him, meaning it's through prayer and worship that we can see, can comprehend into heaven or heavenly things. So that's the first thing. Heaven is on the other side of the door, and we're meant to feel closer to it than many of us do, but the invitation is there. And secondly, worship is the lingua franca, the common language of heaven. That's what we see in this vision. Uh, We've likely all heard at some point that heaven is where we go to worship for eternity. It's what we see these elders doing, the living creatures are worshiping. And yet, rather than feeling encouraged by that thought, um, the reality is we feel the opposite, many of us, who wants church forever. You're probably thinking that right now. I'll, I'll be the only person faking it, even in heaven, just like on Sundays. Everyone else will be into it, and maybe they'll teach me to like it, or I'll catch it by osmosis, but probably not. But y'all, here's the thing. You are going to worship God in heaven, not only by your singing and casting off your crowns. It's honestly actually a rather anemic vision of what it means to worship God or to live lives of worship. It's only when we sing, only when we raise our hands, only when we cast off our crowns, only when we're saying holy things. In heaven, everything you do, running to jump off cliffs, into blue water, riding on the backs of lions, drinking wines in cafes in Paris, all of these things will be done as worship unto the Lord. And you may be thinking, well, that sounds, that sounds like a fairy tale or it sounds impossible. Well, it's exactly the kind of vision that God holds out in front of us through the Bible. Because the sin that separates our life into compartments, holy and unholy, church and real life, that division will be gone, cast into the sea like sin itself. The death with a capital D that makes it hard for my brain to believe that God wants those kinds of things for me or that I could ever be or you could ever be childlike enough, joyful enough to want them and enjoy them that death will be cast also into hell itself. Maverick City has this song called An Open Door, and the lyrics read like this. Praise is an open door, an open door to an open heaven. So I'll praise because I know there's more. I know there's more, more of your presence. And I've been thinking about that song in light of this passage, praise is an open door, meaning our worship of God through singing, through praying, through loving people, that is the way we see into heaven. I think John would agree. It was through his praise and prayer. It was through his praise even in exile 
that John catches this vision of who God is, and it is that vision of who God is and the reality of what heaven will be that sustained John through very hard times. Heaven is not meant to exist on the other side of the door. The door is meant to swing open so that we can take hold of that heaven, that reality, and pull it in to today and to our present through the door onto the other side of the veil. The kingdom of heaven is advancing into this world. That's the promise of Revelation. And it is through our praise that we are able to see that work. So I want to encourage you. I'll ask the Holy Spirit to help you practice praise this week. That's what this season of Easter is for. What would it look like for you to do that today? I don't want to be prescriptive, but music is a good place to start. Maverick City is a great place to start. Those albums have been like a lifeline for me over the course of this past year. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you to speak worship, to restore your mother tongue if you don't know how to do it. He will and, in fact, would love to do exactly that. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Amen.